Um, <laughs> education chose me is okay. what I always tell people. Um, I went to high school specifically to major in television production. I uh, got to college and I was like, I'm going to change my mind. I don't want to do that anymore. Then I changed my mind again. Then I changed my mind again. But every time I changed, I knew I never wanted to be a... On this season of the PG Daily, we will be taking an in-depth look at education in Prince George's County. You will hear from some of the integral voices that are responsible for educating and enriching the minds of students in the county. You will also hear from students that have been directly impacted by the county's educational system. And you will hear how the Prince George's County schools impact the community as a whole. In today's episode, you will hear the daily news. And for our big story, Heavenly sits down with Miss Tanika Smith, an associate professor of communications at Prince George's Community College. And later, we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month in our segment, What Had Happened Was, with Julio Anzaro Rivera. I'm David Smalls. Stay tuned. Good day and thanks for joining us. From Prince George's Community News, I'm Vanita Newsome. Today is Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. Today's weather will feel like the movie Groundhog Days with a repeat of yesterday's weather. We will have AM showers, cloudy and cool air, low temperatures 55 degrees, high temperatures 65 degrees, winds at northeast 5 to 10 miles per hour. The sun will return tomorrow with highs in the 70s. Sunrise at 7.10 a.m., sunset at 6.40 p.m. And that's today's weather. In today's news, Prince George's County Public School has announced they will receive $340,000 from the Maryland Department of Environment to launch its first electric school bus. Prince George's County is one of four counties statewide to receive funds to pilot electric or alternative school buses. A statement from the Office of Monica Golson, Executive Director of Schools, states that the eco-friendly initiative helps keep our children safe inside and outside of school. We are grateful for these funds and look forward to seeing our yellow buses go green. MDE's Clean School Bus Program is funded through a settlement with the manufacturer who installed devices and diesel-powered vehicles to illegally bypass emission standards. The program works hand-in-hand -hand with MDE's School Bus Idle Reduction Program, adapted by more than 50 Maryland schools. The buses will improve air quality and improve immediate health benefits through reduced vehicle and greenhouse gas emissions that contribute to climate change. After funding the first round of electric or alternative fuel bus proposals, approximately $2.1 million will be opened for new proposals in the spring of 2020. CNBC has reported that the first gas station in the United States that has completely transformed from petroleum station to exclusive charging electric vehicle has opened in Tacoma Park, Maryland. At the local gas station, RS Automotive, that has been in business since 1958. Mr. Doley, 
owner of the station, said he was already unhappy with the way oil and gas line companies structured contracts. Dolly said when he first told his daughter about the idea, she said, Dad, that's a really good suggestion. And she was the first to convince him to change after he told her that he was going to talk to the electric vehicle guys. Dolly said he is not worried about how the switch will affect his business income, and he noticed that there weren't enough electric stations on the road, so it's not something that he expected to become rich overnight, but it's a good cause and good for the environment. There is a need for changing stations for the over 20,000 registered EVs in Maryland and electric taxi services. The gas station conversion has been jointly funded by the Electric Vehicle Institute and the Maryland Energy Administration, which provided a grant of $786,000. The Washington Post has reported the first commercial marijuana field opened last week in Cambridge, Maryland. Nearly an acre of carefully tendered marijuana plants have produced a commercial-scale harvest cultivated outside, and industry experts say that this is the first harvest in this part of the country. Marijuana farms have been grown outside for decades in North Carolina, Oregon, and Colorado. But on the East Coast, commercial growers could only cultivate marijuana in warehouses or greenhouses, partly due to the fact that the region has been slower to adapt legal marijuana industry, but mostly because the humid climate and variable temperatures on this side of the country created less than ideal conditions for the outside cannabis. Marky Barch, owner of the medical cannabis cultivation company, Colta, said it's a race against the clock to get it out of the field. It is also expensive to artificially replicate ideal growing conditions that is roughly three times the price of putting irrigated plants and dirt outside. As an alternative way to raise money, Barch and his investors decided to take their chances, setting up an outside operation near their warehouse in the downtown Cambridge area. If Colta can grow cannabis outside for a third of its price, the company reasoned it could plow the highest profit margin into more expansions. For now, Colta plans to sell all of its outside harvest for making processed cannabis products such as dabs, teachers, and vape cartridges rather than selling the wholesale flowers for smoking. In Upper Marlboro, the Prince George's County Board of Education is seeking residents to serve on its five-member ethics advisory panel. Panel members are approved by the board chair with board approval to a three-year term. As noted in board policy, the panel is an advisory body responsible for interpreting the ethics policies, including issuing advisory opinion to the board concerning its application and addressing complaints filed regarding alleged violations. Those interested should send a letter of interest and a resume to Susan King, Board Executive Director at the Prince George's County Board of Education. That's our local news. From Prince George's Community News, I'm Vanita Newsom. story, Ebony sits down with Ms. Tanika Smith, an Associate Professor of Communications at Prince George's Community College.
Hey everybody, it's your girl Heavenly B, and I'm here with Miss Tanika Smith, who is the associate or an associate professor here at Prince George's Community College in the Communications Department. So let's start off by talking about what got you into the field of education. We just want to jump right in it. Okay. This this season is all about education. So I want to know what got you interested in pursuing a career in education? Was this your first love or something you just kind of fell into? Awesome. So the answer is no. Um, <laughs> education chose me is okay. what I always tell people. Um, I went to high school specifically to major in television production. I uh, got to college and like, I'm going to change my mind. I don't want to do that anymore. Then I changed my mind again. Then I changed my mind again. But every time I changed, I knew I never wanted to do education because that was what my dad did. And I never wanted to do what my dad did. So, um, go back to radio and television production. That becomes my focus, becomes my career goal. Uh, and then in graduate school, one of my former professors who was actually my own advisor from undergrad said hey there's a position that opened up I think you would be perfect for it and I said what is it he kindly broke it to me and said it's a, a teaching assistant position and I said well what does it entail he told me literally I would be keeping lecture databases and I would have to tutor students and proctor tests that was it and eight weeks and he kind of told me the rest of it, and that is what led me into teaching. Okay, so you got led there against your will. Hoodwinked and bamboozled. And then you got in. I did. And once you got in, what shifted? You know, it. for me, it was that first lecture that I had to do, because what John didn't tell me was I had to do lectures as part of the graduate teaching assistant position. And uh, as someone who was once very afraid of speaking in front of people, mm. he knew speaking in front of 125 people at 8 o'clock in the morning was definitely not going to happen. So, so you had to um, get pushed out of your comfort zone. I was pushed out of my comfort zone, and that's really and truly what did it for me. That first lecture that I got up to do um, is what started me in this field, and here I am decades later so do you feel like you're a natural teacher and you were just running from your calling in life mm. to a degree to a degree uh, I am one who doesn't mind sharing with others what I know and so I would say that has helped with that part of the calling mm -hmm. um, but outside of that I would say no it's Still, even today, as long as I have been doing it, um, I I would not say no that 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 is not part of it. <laughs> so, I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> and it sounds horrible to say after being uh, this is my twentieth year in a classroom, twenty first year in education itself. But there's more to it. I think for me, it's more the opportunity to help students grow, to learn new skills, to become a better version of who they are mm -hmm. and that fact that I constantly learn from my students regardless of what type of learning environment it is I think that's what prompts me to stay in it and uh, prompts me to keep pushing myself to become a better educator I don't think um, 
that natural calling hasn't said that. Maybe in another 10 years, well, you, I'll see I'm it as say, a natural hold calling. Hold up now. You've been here for 25. So how long have you been at uh, the college level? Did you start out at college level or did you, like, go from, um, like, grade school? Awesome. So I started teaching here at PG part-time in 2010. Okay. And that was January 20-something of 2010. And then a year and a half later, uh, I came on board full-time. Uh, I was hired to fill the slot for someone else who left. Um, and then they made me a permanent uh, fixture around here in 2012. Before that, I was a high school teacher. Yeah. Woo! Oh, wow. I did. And so what school, what high school did you teach at at PG County? All right. So I see you smiling over there. You must have an idea of mine. So I don't, I, but I'm a PG uh, County high school graduate. Okay. As am I. So I actually got to teach at my alma mater. I went back and my first stop in the process was a Suitland High School Center oh. for Visual and Performing Arts. Cool. Um, I taught television production there. In fact, I ran the program there for several years. And so it was always fun um, every day because I never knew what I was going to get exposed to from my students or what crazy stories they were going to come back with from my then colleagues who were once my own teachers. Wow. Mm -hmm. I know that had to be interesting to be working with your teachers. Like, I'm at y'all level now. We friends now. (laughs) It was. But, you know, it was such a blessing in that the colleagues that I had, they were so open and willing to um, help me become comfortable being an educator. Um, They were all so invested in Mm -hmm. my career because they knew me since I was 13, 14 years old. And so they they, they were really invested in in seeing me succeed. And so um, I appreciate every single former teacher who then became a colleague or every single guidance counselor who became a mentor as I worked at the school because they really and truly did help me during especially that first year when I had no clue as to what I had signed up for. Awesome. I love it. To go that same path. I think we all get a sense of excitement when we see someone pursuing and having a love for the same field that we do. And we want to dive in and help them. So that that was awesome. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier about some of the crazy stories that the kids would tell you. What's your most memorable story or your most memorable student mm-hmm. in, at the high school level? Wow. And it could be for a good or bad reason. It could be the comedian, or it could be the one that drove you crazy and almost made you ball. <laughs> okay, uh, so at the high school level, some of my most memorable students would include students like Lorenzo Hall, who is now one of the anchors at WUSA 9 TV. Wow. Okay, so Lorenzo, from day one, said, I'm going to be the one who delivers the news, and he was consistent, and he honed his skills in whatever criticism or praise he received he always used that to improve the next project um ironically i'm going to tell you stories about three people right now and they were all in the same class um in the same class with lorenzo was a young man named travis coles travis was a comical genius right Travis also wrote scripts like nobody's business, whether it was for audio productions or video productions. And his goal was to go out to California to become a big success. Wow. Spring forward a few weeks ago on OWN. Yes, Oprah Winfrey Network. 
Travis Coles. Yes, now Travis. has a recurring role in the program, David Makes Man. I love it. Okay. And so then same class in a different sector is Radria Walker. Radria always had a love for writing and being creative. And she would push my buttons by always trying to do projects that she knew would be testing <laughs> um, but she was always passionate about whatever she chose and now Radria is an author and I think she just released her fifth book that's great she's fifth book fifth yes fifth so book. you've been able to see your students from the from imagining mm -hmm. what they could be to mm -hmm. actually becoming that so that has to be pretty fulfilling. It is. And there's one more, and if I don't say this, I, I would feel uh, like really, really bad because there are really four of them in that same group. And that would be Serena Akers. Serena always said she wanted to be in fashion. And so with Serena, it wasn't just about helping her peers look great on camera. It was about pursuing her design career and what she wanted to do. And she said she would always be a fashion designer. Lo and behold, Liddy D. Yes, uh, today you can see people like Chloe and Hallie wearing her clothes. Wow. Niecy Nash. And then someone who you probably like, Beyonce. She mm -hmm. is Beyonce's personal stylist. That's awesome. And so all four of these students. Now, did these students always stand out to you before always. they accomplished their goals? Always. Do you feel like you were instrumental in pouring into those dreams? Because um, I think that teachers really do play a part. Of course, the parents are essential, but mm -hmm. teachers do play a part in helping dreams to be believed and realized. The most I ever did for each of them was to pursue what made them happy mm -hmm. and to give them the tips and the tools that they need to perfect their craft. Awesome. Mm -hmm. You never lose that part of your calling. Yeah. And then that can be shaped and reshaped and shifted to different fields. And yeah. so even though I may not have been working in television or radio um, at a given time, I was always doing something connected to it. Mm -hmm. I was always be uh, able to share with a student or a mentee or someone else, even in my own personal life, say like at the church, I was always mm -hmm. able to do something that allowed me to continue to foster and hone those skills. And that's something that, you know, we need to allow people the space to do because we have different acts in our lives, right? Yeah. And so who knows what act three or 4.5 might hold. Girl. And that's how the Perry studio has yeah. pushed some ideas. Did it not make you dream bigger than you already dreamed? You know what? Like, it's, wow. It made me think back to when I was a little girl and I wanted to write for television. Mm. <clears throat> Pardon me. I always said, I always wanted to be behind the cameras. I never had any hopes, goals, or dreams, or ambitions of being in front of mm -hmm. the camera. And so it all, it prompted, you know, like, hmm, okay, you haven't written a screenplay in a while. Or, hmm, you haven't written any plays in a while. So it did, it, it caused me to remember the dream and to want to uh, follow his example to follow the dream wherever it is. I love it. Now, this is a good, this is something great for your students to hear. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to inspire them mm -hmm. to keep going. So, let's get back on course here. <clears throat> we talked about your most memorable students. Mm -hmm. Tell me about some of the most challenging students or the most challenging times you've had in education because we all know that uh, dealing with students can, can be hard sometimes, especially... Great, like grade school students. <laughs> so, 
the most challenging students at the high school level. Hmm. I would say that would have been my first set of students in a predominant special education class. Mm. Um, so that would have been 2005, new school. Um, I had just switched over from doing television production to doing English program was going some retooling and renovation. And so um, eight weeks into the semester, after I had the best schedule ever, by the way, I had all 12th grade and 11th grade classes, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, I was happy. They came to me, it always happens eight weeks in, I need to pay attention to that, by the way. <laughs> um, hey, we're going to have to change your schedule. Something is going on with one of your colleagues' credentials, and you're the best fit for the situation. Okay, great. They were like, don't worry. We're going to have a co-teacher for you, so you'll always have support. Okay, great. So I go from having 11th and 12th grade, like PSAT, SAT prep, British mm. Lit, to having students who had severe behavioral yeah. issues, who had skill deficits. Um, I remember... One day a student came to me. He's like, I can't do any work. Why? Like, because can't. <laughs> Didn't know the boy was going blind. And there were special resources that he should have had. And so imagine trying to get him to learn. Yeah. Not realizing that he needed that. Same class, there was a girl. She was deaf. Only reason why I knew she was deaf is because I heard her speak. And having a background in sign language. That let me know. But, but the, they never told no. you this stuff before you got And the co-teacher had nothing. The co-teacher was very rarely there. And so it just became a very uh, tumultuous <laughs> situation. Um, I would go home most days very tired, but I was dedicated to helping those students mm -hmm. succeed. And so they went from submitting work in crayon. I kid you not. Really? My colleague was letting them turn work in, in crayon. Hmm. I have my own feelings about that. Right. In fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, because it's almost like you are telling them. You're not pushing them mm -hmm. to be better. You're telling them that this is the most they're capable of. Right. So I, I, I pushed them. And there was pushback. From the from staff? The students. Oh. From their parents. Oh, really? Yes. The parents? The parents, they, they, weren't, they weren't happy. Wow. You, you want too much. You do too much. My child has this disability. But what I would always say is, your child has that disability, but your child has tons of capability. Mm. And until we can tap into that potential, your child will never know what he or she can do. Because of that, all his life he believed it, people reinforced it, mm -hmm. teachers told him he would not be go but so far he needed to get a job at the post office or a trash company somewhere. And even though he wanted to do great things, he wanted to get his education, he wanted to... Um, you know, be a speaker and a mm -hmm. disc jockey mm -hmm. at the time. And he believed it. And because he believed it, it shaped what he shot for. Absolutely. And so he got exposed to, to um, different circles and, and he became a great orator. But before that, people have to realize that what you reinforce in people, mm -hmm. once they believe it, it becomes part of their, who they are. But if you tell them that they can be great, and you show them the greatness within them, then they will reach for great things. Absolutely positively. And that's something that every educator has to keep in mind. 
even just through how you ask a student to submit an assignment uh, that can cause some problems for them but if you just keep reinforcing you can do this or let's work with what you're able to do it, it makes all the difference it really does Major moments in Hispanic history, the Cuban Revolution comes to power in 1959. What had happened was, following the triumph of the Cuban Revolution in 1959 and its sharp leftward turn within the next two years, Fidel Castro established a communist government that remains in place today. Why it matters? More than one million Cubans left the island as the revolution became more radical, with most of them settling in Miami, Florida, a city they transformed. Subsequent waves of Cubans migrated to the United States in the 1980s with the Mariel Boatlift and the 1990s after the fall of the Soviet Union upended the island's economy. Thank you for listening to the PG Daily Podcast. Tune in next time for more daily news and informative interviews concerning Prince George's County. This show has been brought to you by Prince George's Community Radio, and the opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Prince George's Community College, its staff, faculty, administration, or its affiliates. It is produced by Heavenly Bee, Dorcas Ashinowo, Stephen Boney, Vanita Newsom, David Smalls, and is executively produced by Dale Roden.